Well, hello everyone and welcome back to a special edition of Switch of Player. Mickey, long time no see. How are you, Paul? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, yeah, it's been a long time. Hasn't it? I was slightly nervous when I was coming on tonight, even though I've done quite a few in the past. But uh, it's great to catch up again and have the opportunity to do it. I know there's been a bit of interest on Twitter about uh, the guest that's coming on and uh, the fridge that's in the background as well. So, um, well, yeah, let's talk. The, the fridge seems to be a bit shy at the minute, Mick. What's going on? Yeah, well, I've actually had the fridge's agent on the on the phone, and I'm waiting for an email. He's after a bit of an appearance fee tonight, so if we get that, <laughs> if, if we get that sorted by the end of the show, then I'm hoping to unveil the fridge tonight. <laughs> Unbelievable! We run a poll to see who people were most looking forward to: you, me, the guest, or the fridge. And the fridge absolutely ran away with it. That just tells you a little bit about the madness of this podcast and the yeah, way it's developed. I was more annoyed that you beat me. <laughs> I was a little bit embarrassed by that as well. You coming third in a poll that involves the fridge was not ideal, was it? Yeah, I wasn't bothered about the fridge. I knew the fridge would win. It was the fact that you beat me as well. <laughs> we'll not tell Higgy that he finished last though, because that will <laughs> be. Um, but yeah, moving on to the guest we've, we've, we've got on tonight, Craig Hignett. He's someone who I absolutely love. He's, he's a great bloke. He's, he's got a big attachment with Hartlepool United. And, and your your sort of friendship goes back a long way with him as well. Yeah, did he? I was obviously with him at Middlesbrough. Um, and to be honest, I don't think he gets the credit he deserves as in that Middlesbrough team. You know, he, And he was a young lad. Um, a lot of people don't realise when he first came, he was a young lad that had come from Crewe. Uh, and he was straight in the first team. So, and he played a massive role in that team. He was he was a big part of the team, which had a lot of big names with Ravinelli, Emerson, Barnby, all those names. And for me, he never got as much credit as he deserved because he was a fantastic player. And obviously, you played alongside him for a little while anyway um, during the promotion season when he came in. And, and he'll tell us a little bit more about his his playing days at Hartlepool. And then, of course, he went on to have this great attachment in, in a few different roles but it's just his personality isn't it rather than not, not just what he brought in terms of his work and, and his, his obviously ability in football but just to have him around he's such a great personality yeah he's, he's infectious I think I don't know whether it's the, the sort of scouse humour that he's got or the accent that he's got but he, he's got this little little laugh and a little giggle about him as well <laughs> when you know he's up to a little bit of mischief but um, no I think He's a good guy, you know. I think he's every time he's in his company, he's um, he's friendly and he's open. And I think if anyone's seen his after dinner stuff as well, he's he's a funny, funny guy. So I'm really looking forward to, to having him on tonight. Well, it's my pleasure to welcome Craig Hignett uh, to to switch a play. Higgy, thanks ever so much for joining us. How are you keeping, pal? Um, I'm very well, thanks, Simo. Very busy, but very well. Working hard by the sound of things in the gym, doing your boxing and, uh, and look, look after yourself. Yeah, I'm trying to look after myself. I put on a few pounds, started to look at myself and think that's not me. Um, <laughs> and now I'm trying to get back to, to what I was, which is a nightmare. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's our pleasure to have you on. And we just, as I say, we, we wanted to just have a have a, a chat about your career, you know. And, and obviously there's a lot of interest from people who are our audience about your time with Hartlepool in, in various different roles. and So just tell us, though, let, let, going back to the very start in terms of your football career and, and, and getting involved in football, was it just something from your very earliest age that that was it, that was football for you? Yeah, there was nothing else, Simo. I can't remember a time where I ever thought I wanted to do anything else. It was all football. And, and to be fair, 
Um, I had the best dad in the world to do that with because he just loved football. Everything about it was football. He was Everton season ticket holder. Then he was a former player. Um, he played for Tranmere. His brother was a footballer. So I, I couldn't have been born into a more football-orientated family. <laughs> Iggy, what were you like? Were other sports? Did you ever, like, at school, try other sports? Were everything, Nick. I've done everything. Yeah. Absolutely everything. I was a good gymnast. Um, I represented the school swimming. Um, I could play cricket. I played for Heighton um, when I was under 14s at cricket. Um, and I was a good athlete as well. So I, I sort of represented various different clubs and schools and districts at, at near enough every sport. And then your break towards football, obviously you came through the ranks with, with crew. So how did that journey and how did you get in amongst it at crew? When was that sort of developed? Well, I was, I was at Liverpool. So I joined Liverpool. I had to give up all the other stuff. I mean, I was, I was doing karate at the time and I was like two or three years down the road as a young kid doing karate and loved it, Shotokan karate. And then went to Liverpool and I had to give it all up. So I had to give every sport up. Went to Liverpool, done... I mean, I was at Liverpool from when I was 11. I was at Everton a little bit earlier for a year. Um, went to Liverpool, done my apprenticeship there, and then left at 18. Um, I had a bout of glandular fever. That was They were umming and ahhing whether to give me a contract. And I'd played for, for Liverpool against Crewe, and, and Dario offered me a, a two-year contract after the game. Um so who was in that? Who was in that Liverpool sort of setup when you were there? I think you weren't any. We wouldn't know anyone except Steve Staunton, probably Steve Staunton, ah, right, okay. uh, Jimmy Jilton. Um, the ones at my age, there was Charlie Boyd. I think was a, a lad who was the only one who got kept on. Um, but there was no one else, Mick. You know, Billy yeah. Mercer, who, who was a, a year above me. Um, he was my big mate at, at Liverpool. We. Um, we used to travel in together and a lad called Brian McGorry, who actually had a career down at Peterborough. He played for Peterborough for a bit. Um, good lads, but no one really stood out. You know, we, mm -hmm. we all got released. There wasn't there wasn't anyone who went on to play. I think Charlie might have played um, one game for Liverpool. Um, that was it. So there was, there was no one really. Yeah. Crew at the time... Um, David Platt had just been sold to Aston yeah. Villa and Dario was looking for the next David Platt if you like and um, seeing me playing although I don't know how he he could see me as a David Platt type because I was playing out on the wing at the time I was I was an out and out winger I was right wing and um, when I went to crew it was all totally different they were more orientated to the coaching and, right. and developing the players and, and it was more about the young lads than it was the older professionals. And that was the first time I'd seen that because Liverpool obviously had geared to the first team. There's not many clubs like that though, Higgies. There's not many where the sort of young lads get sort of pushed ahead of the first team players, if you like, or more time spent with them, is it? Well, there's not. And it's only it's only really as you get older and you see what other football clubs are run like that you realise, you know, I was lucky going to crew because of, because of how they were, because of what you've just mentioned there. Um, how much emphasis they put on young players and trying to develop them. And not really for for their club. It was to develop them to go on and, and do things better and, and go to bigger clubs. Obviously, they get the money for them and, and they were getting a reputation at that time for, yeah. for developing kids and selling selling players on. Um, but Dario was really shrewd, fantastic coach. Um, 
knew what your strengths were before you did and he knew how to develop players. Um, made me look at the game totally different and, and improved me massively within the space of about 18 months, two years. So did he did he switch your positions, Iggy? Did he move you to yeah. a different position from what you well, were to play? He, he did play me out wide, um, but then he moved me in one in a midfield three. And then in the end, he, he put me in behind a front one or a front two. Um, so I was always the, you know, probably in the middle of the pitch where he had a, a lot more places to go. And um, But it was just tactically, he was, you know, the, the biggest thing for me was he always told me to get turned, you know, half turned, always be on the half turn. This was before any of that stuff was, yeah. was about. It was... Um, it made a massive difference to me because I keep coming for the ball with me back to goal and people would be back then, Mickey, you, you know what it was like. You could come right through the back of someone and, and yeah. get a telling off from the ref. Um, and that was happening to me all the time. People were just kicking me all over because I wasn't the biggest lad in the world. But the minute he started to say to me, come off and turn side on, that opened the whole game up because if I turned, if I'd go off someone and, and get side on and they come tight, I'd run in behind them because I was quick. Yeah, you were quick, yeah. If they didn't, I'd get the ball to my feet and I'd be facing them. So it was always one of them, you know, it was one or the other. Did he come tight and, and run? Or it was just, it opened the game up massively for me. And, and obviously you must have just been loving your football because what were you, 2021, 20, you know, you were, you were 100 games under your belt and you were scoring goals regularly as well. You know, how, how quickly was the interest in you and, and people looking at you? It, it was fairly quick. It was about a season. Um, after that, I'd, Morris Doyle was a, a player who, like me, was about my age. He was in the first team before me and he got a big move, 100 grand. He went to QPR um, back in 1991. And really with Morris going, that was my, my chance. I got thrown into the first team then. Um, but within about five or six games, people were, were sort of talking. Um, I'd managed to score a goal in my second game uh, and really, it went from there. I, I never, I never really stopped scoring. It was, um, I think, by the time me move come, there was about four or five clubs. West Ham were one, Manchester City, Blackburn, um, and Middlesbrough, and I ended up going to to Borough. Um, it was, I think, at the time, it was November. I'd scored about eighteen or nineteen goals, and it was, you know, I'd have probably got thirty or forty if I if I'd have kept going the way it was because it was. It was beginning, beginning to be easy, you know, league, whatever it what? was, two now, league one, I don't know what it was. It was, yeah. it, it started to, to become a little bit easy. Um, hell, I never found that league. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's why I did. <laughs> but it was, it was just one of them, you know, you get, you hit patches in your career and I've hit a few of them, um, where you know you, you're going to score. You go out every week and you know you're going to get at least a couple of chances a game. Um, and it, it, it everything went unbelievably well for me. We played Middlesbrough in the pre-season and we drew 2-2 with them and I'd scored two. And I think from then, Ron Bone had seen me and, and sort of kept an eye on me. I was, I think I was close to going back to Liverpool when Rob Jones went. There was talk of a, a double deal, but I got injured and missed about five games when Rob got his move. Um, which, again, you know, whether it would have been the best thing for me or not, I don't know. Um, but it would have been nice to go back there. But I ended up picking Middlesbrough, and really, I, I didn't look back. It was it was a fabulous club, but I didn't know it at the time. Um, 
but I, I loved everything about it. What was it about Middlesbrough, Higgy? Why? What, I think it was similar to where I was from, Mick. You know, yeah. it's similar to Scousers. You know, people don't suffer fools, tell you what they think. That you know, it's the humour's really similar. I, I just we spoke about that before you came on. Like that's one of the things I said that I think Scousers and Geordies are very similar because they do have that sense of humour and they can laugh at themselves and they can make fun of each other and it's it's fine. You know, they, they've got that side of them. Yeah, I think all the people up the northeast, you know, it, sort of the smoggies will be shouting at you for saying Geordies, but Geordies, Geordies. No, you said Geordies. It's um, who are they? Yeah, you said Geordies. Yeah, that's where I'm. I'm that's where I am. Yeah, you, you know, <laughs> smoke free. <yeah. laughs> yeah, but it's you're right, Mick. It's, it's all it's all the northeast. Doesn't matter where you're from. It's they're all similar. You know, they all. They've all got that way about them. And and I found it really comfortable from day one. You know, meeting everyone was was a breeze. I was always outgoing. I was always, you know, someone who, who'd get on with everyone. Um and and I took to the area right away. I, I loved it, absolutely loved it. And and to play in the Premier League as well at the time, it was obviously that's one of your dreams when you're a kid, you want to play in the Premier League. I didn't know it at the time, but it was the first season of the Premier League. I didn't know how big it was going to get. Um but it was just one to be playing, in it? One thing I said to Simo before, that I always thought when you signed that you're older. I think when someone signs for some money, you think, oh, they're automatically older. But you were relatively young. Like, I, I was probably 18, maybe 19, but you weren't that much older than a lot of the young lads. I think I was 21. Yeah, yeah, and that's, 21. Like, that's quite young to come in, but then make an impact straight into the team. I think people, people did think I was older. Yeah. You know, I, I got that quite a lot where people thought I was 25, 24, 25. I wasn't, I was 21, you know, nearly 22, I think, at the time. I hadn't been at, a, I had at Liverpool, but I hadn't been at a, what I'd call a, a, a proper football club in, mixing around the first team. I'd been at Liverpool, but I was nowhere near the first team. Yeah. Crew, it was a bit smaller, you know, it was it was a league, league two as it is now. But to go into a, a Premier League side, you, you could feel the difference in in quality and player. You know, it was like you were going to train train with men. You know, suddenly you were training with men. Um, but like I say, I, I enjoyed it. Made some friends straight away. Made some good friends. Jamie Pollock was obviously in and around it at the time. Graham Cavanagh was in and around it, and I was friendly with them. Um, but I was also friendly with the older lads, and I think because I mixed with the older lads, um, that's why people thought I was a little bit older. You know. I'd, Paul Wilkinson, um, I'd mix with Derek White and Chris Morris, all them older <laughs> pros. Um, so I got on, I got on well with everyone. Were, were we still at Ayrson Park at you when you signed? Was, yeah. was it the last season at Ayrson Park? No, it was. Um, I think we had, I had three seasons at Ayrson Park. Mate. Oh, did you? Yeah, so I signed in '92. Oh right, um, okay. So and obviously right, we didn't go yeah. to the Riverside till '96. Was it '96? Right. Um, so I had. Three seasons, I think, at Ayrson. Uh, but that was, I mean, again, that was a an old place, but it was full of full of history, oh, wasn't it? Was it? You know, I remember, Absolutely brilliant. Yeah, seeing the, the 1966 World Cup, some of the games were played there, and I think it was North Korea, wasn't it? It was played there. And, and to think you were playing at a stadium that had hosted a World Cup game was like, but it was really close, intimate. People used to talk about the chicken run um, and being really tough to play down that side, but I never found it. It was... You know, like I say, as long as you you give your all and and run about, they'll forgive a bad pass or a 
you know, a poor miss. But as long as you you give it hundred percent and try, the Borough fans are they'll stick with you. Yeah. There's a there's a, actually why you talked about Ayrton Park. There was a bit of bad news today, wasn't there? With, I think the old PA yeah, yeah. Yeah, Bernard Bernard was um, he was the voice of the Borough in the early days before Ali, and <clears> he was Ali's hero as well. Um. You know, I like to think that both of them now are having a bit of a pint together and mm. and talking about the old days. Um, but Bernard was a hero of Ali's, and and obviously he'll be sadly missed. It's a it's a real sad day when you lose Bernard. It, Bernard would be known to to all the older generation of Borough fans. There's no doubt about it. If they are having a you know a nice drink now and talking about their memories, what 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 Craig Hignett uh, events will there be coming up in conversation? What are the standout moments that they'll be talking about from your time there? I think I think a standout moment for me mightn't be a standout moment for Ali. Ali always says about there was a game against Reading where he, he there's a commentary where it people always play. He says hit it, Higgy, hit it, and I'd hit it and it, it flew in against Reading. Um, it was a tight game, and I think that was the first goal. Um, but the others are like um, commentary ones. I remember him doing a commentary, and uh, at the time, and I. It was my first wife. She phoned in to, to moan about Robbo taking me off. And uh, <laughs> Ali was loving it. He was absolutely loving it. Uh, I think it was Bernie who was doing the, the commentary with him at the time. And he, he got me after the game and went, your missus has phoned in when she hasn't. She went, she has, you know. Uh, but I've, I've had so many moments with Ali. Um, some of them, we used to go around the, um, the pubs and clubs of, of Middlesbrough with Big Mal, Malcolm. Alison and, and do oh, like yeah. a sport night. And it was like some of the weirdest nights you'll ever see in your life. Big Mal was such a, a legend and an unbelievable storyteller. Um, and obviously at the end of the night, he'd be absolutely hammered. So anything <laughs> could come out. Never bought a drink. People would just keep coming up and bringing him drinks and that. But they were great nights. Um, but the commentaries going up and down the country with, with Ali is, is really what will stick in, in my memory. He, he was such a professional. It was, um, yeah, it was a real sad loss when he went. A good friend. You played obviously at Middlesbrough as well with some pretty big hitters, didn't you? As well, high-profile players. I mean, which one? Cheers, cheers, yeah. <laughs> and, and Mickey as well. <laughs> so, so I mean, which which ones stand out? I know you know the normal speak. ones. You know, yeah, Janino, Emerson, Ravenelli. Um, all fabulous players. Nick Barnby for me was someone who yeah. I think he probably took my game to another level as well because you know suddenly this this lad had come in again a little bit younger than me, got on great with him, similar stature, similar type player. Um, I just thought, why is he so good? You know, why what's he doing that makes him so good? Because you know he wasn't as quick as as I was. Um, he, he couldn't run as far as or as fast as I could, um, but he was brilliant, you know. And I'm thinking, well, I've got everything he's got. Why can't I play like him? Or why can't? And I just start watching him, and you just start picking things up. But what he did have was an unbelievable football brain. He his positional sense, his spatial awareness was so good. Knew where players were, um, and the, the biggest compliment I can pay Nick is he always did what you thought he was going to do. So playing the game is so easy. It's there's a pass there, play it. The pa- players complicate the game. Nick didn't. Nick, if you were on and you were in space and you were in a better position than him, he'd pass it to you. 
And my my memory of Nick is he was always out practicing before training. He always had some cones lined up mm. and practicing his fast feet and moving the ball around cones, turning, moving it. Every single day he was practicing, but he was practicing what he would use in training or in the game. Mm. And he, he was he was a phenomenal player to watch. He was unbelievable. He, he had that little quick touch. He was a bit like, remember Andre Kinchelskis, who used yeah. to touch the ball dead, dead quick with his feet. Like So if a player come in, he'd, his foot would be there and he'd nip the ball away. Nick was similar. He would suck people in and he'd think, oh, I can get that. And then he'd just nip it away from them and he'd be away. He was he was a brilliant player um, and a great lad as well. You know, he's a top pro. Like you say, Mick, he was probably first out last in. Um yeah, I got I got on so well with him, um, and again he's he's remained a friend to this day. I know that the the harking back to the past. I remember the, the kit launched this summer. Like they've had Ravinelli and was it Macaroni? I saw him. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. <laughs> well, Rav had been over and he Rav had done a couple of nights. Um, right. He looks, yeah, looks fit still, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but I think he's got a cycling team, or he did have a cycling team, and he'd done some events with them as well. Um, but again, someone who. He divided opinion, Rav. He he sort of split the dressing room. Some liked him, some hated him. Um, I loved him. I thought he was great, and I loved all the all the histrionics and, and theatricals with him. You know, I, that was part of being him. He was he was a world class striker, great finisher, won the European Cup. So why why shouldn't he kick off now and again? He was um, as long as it doesn't affect me or. Do you know what I mean? He's that's the way he gets himself going. That's the way he, he motivated himself. But again, you know, someone who I, I, I loved him. I, he was great. I, I no... In a way, he did when he came over. He's come from wherever you've entered and all the facilities, and then he's come to the Middlesbrough's training ground at the time, which was absolutely terrible. He probably did have a few things to complain about. And well, he sort, did. Uh, well, that's the thing, Mick, because. You know, he is this unbelievable player, played for his country, scored winning goals in cup final, European Cup finals, done what he'd done with Juventus, came to Middlesbrough. Yes, he was getting a boatload of money, but he still wanted to be professional and do it. He couldn't understand why we weren't training two and three times a day. So he's like, well, what, that's it? And we're going home and no, no, no. And in the end... I think he understood once he got into the games and started playing the games the way we do, Saturdays and Tuesdays and Saturdays and Tuesdays, he understood why we couldn't train as much as we did. And, and he did, over time, he did change the way he thought about how we should be training. And um, it wasn't Italy. You know, the game wasn't as slow as it is in Italy. It was it was breaknet speed all the time. And and he, he got used to it. And, you know, but all the other stuff, the off-the-field stuff, he... Was he a prima donna? Probably. But so what? He didn't the right to do that. Yeah. And like I, was, I say, long he wasn't disrupting me or... People would argue he was disrupting the team by doing what he did. I don't think he was. Just ignore it. In terms of... I'm, I'm conscious I don't want to skate over the rest of your career because obviously you played for some big clubs. You won, won silverware as well after leaving Middlesbrough. So, you know... Should have won it at Middlesbrough. Sorry? We should have won it at Middlesbrough. So true, true. FA Cup final, two League Cup finals. We should have beat Leicester really in the first one when Emileski scored an equaliser right at the end. Lost the replay. Steve Claridge scored when we we'd missed chances galore and and really should have beat them. Chelsea in the FA Cup final. 
problems off the pitch. We'd just been relegated the week before. Um, it that was a disaster, really, for for everyone concerned. And then the other League Cup final, which I, I actually didn't play in Gaza, came and had played in all the rounds and scored and and missed out on the final. Um, and that was the Gaza one where Gaza had, had given me his medal. That was his debut, believe it or not, for Middlesbrough. Was that his debut, was it? Yeah. Yeah, he was sub in the, the League Cup final against Chelsea again, where we um we lost. So we, we should have done it at Middlesbrough, but it it took me getting to Blackburn. Um, we got to the Millennium Stadium in the League Cup final, beat Tottenham. Um, I think Matt Janssen and Andy Cole scored the goals for us. Um, and to you know, as a kid, you always want to you want to play in big games. I'd had four goals actually because I played in the playoff final with Barnsley. Um, oh, yeah. We got beat by Ipswich, and I should have won that one as well. Um, I managed to get a couple of goals in that one. Moved to Blackburn, and then we beat Tottenham in the two thousand and one two. I think final at the Millennium Stadium and, and to win a, a major trophy um, to have that feeling of what it's like to win it because I'd lost the, the first three four um, to get to the that one and, and finally win it was a, a real thrill you know I'd only come back from them games knowing what it was like to get beat and it's not a nice feeling and um, so to win one was yeah it was great it was it was everything I thought it would be just something that's coming to my head there uh, Higgy I remember you telling the story. I'd love you to tell it again. On the, we did a podcast at Hartlepool where we did the moments of near glory. I can't remember what it was called. What was what was the club you were at when you that that run and the chip? Middlesbrough. Was that was that Middlesbrough, yeah, was Middlesbrough was that against called? Derby? And and there was we were defending a corner and I was on the edge of the box. So Derby had took this corner and it got swung into the box and it was headed out. And I picked the ball up and I started running. And then I'd gone past one and then gone past two. And then another one had come and I'd, I'd missed him and gone. And I, by this time, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm right up halfway in the half here. So I've skipped past another one and, and took it to the edge of the box. And I'm thinking, but I'm, I'm sort of running away from goal. And I could just slide it. And I, I could have scored. I could have just slid it past the keeper. And I thought, oh, this would look better if I chipped him. <laughs> the keeper was miles off his line. So I chipped the keeper. And I thought, oh, Tim, it's like the best goal I've ever scored ever. And it, it, as it's gone, it's gone bump, and it's just hit the bar and come back down to the keeper and held it. <laughs> and I just thought, why didn't you just roll it in? You did be- <laughs> It still would have been a great goal, even if I'd have just rolled it in. But uh, that was me nearly one. I bet Ali was having just, chips that afternoon. <laughs> just going back to your actual running, I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, but you did a lot of work on your actual style of run, didn't you? And sprinting yeah. and... And I remember my dad, my dad never came in a lot of games. With, I remember coming to a game and he said you were one of the only players he's ever seen that actually runs in a game like a sprinter. Like your technique was like what you would see someone sprinting, but you did a lot of work on that, didn't you, to, to get yeah. sharper and quicker? used to do a load of stuff on it, Mick, because I was quick, but I always wanted to be quicker. And there was a fellow called Wilf Pace. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. He used to go around all the clubs and when I was at Liverpool he'd done a lot of bounding work you know we used to bound um, and and it made you stronger in your legs and, and what have you that was jumping off things and then jumping straight away over hurdles and stuff like that and then obviously the technique bit and I used to I carried it on went to crew done some more work on it fast feet and, and just all the time um, 
because I used to run, sort of my arms were like wide. <laughs> you know, like you would see, I don't know, some mad person run. Um, and it, it, it just felt, I don't know, to me it felt natural, but in the end I ended up getting little. My me stride got smaller and, and my arms got shorter <laughs> in the end. Sometimes it used to look weird, I think, when I look at it now, but it, it did make me quick. There was one game against Blackburn, I'll never forget it. I felt so quick. I'd run past Jeff Kenner. I'd run past, I think it was Graham Lasso. And, and at the end of it, Tim Sherwood said to me, we own a motorbike out there. And I, and I thought, do you know what? I felt quick. And he's just said it to me. And then years later, I went to Blackburn and, and I said to um, Jeff Kenner was playing at Blackburn. And Jeff said, do you know what? He said, I'll never forget when you kicked the ball past me when we played Jews and you ran off the pitch and got it on the other side of me. He said, I was so embarrassed. <laughs> he said, From then on, I always said, I'm never, ever going close to him. I'm just going to stand off him. But it's, that's how people think. You know, you don't you don't think people think like that. But it, they do. Um, but I've, I've never, ever felt that quick on a football pitch ever. And obviously, towards the end of your career, you, you did pull on a Hartlepool shirt a couple of times, didn't you? you know, yeah. You've talked about this before, so, and the, the trial and everything that it, went with yeah. it. You two this is, probably, this is obviously remember favorite, better than I. favourite ever story. How long it was ridiculous. I, I came in. <laughs> Danny was was manager. The team were going brilliant. We did, I mean, it was, what was it, 34 games or something stupid unbeaten? What Was it? 23, 23 games, I think, yeah. Unbeaten. It was stupid, but it, they were sort of in the middle of it. Yeah. Um, when I came in, so they'd gone about six or seven, I think it was, maybe six. And and I'd, I'd been asked to go down and train. I'd, I'd retired, but then I thought, no, I'm, I'm a bit too young. There's a bit more left in me. So I, I came down, really enjoyed it. Obviously met the lads. I knew Mickey anyway. Um, got stuck in and just loved it. Just loved training. And you know one of them where you, you just keep training and training and you, just, you don't think anything of it. And then, so I'm, I'm sitting there. So like 10 weeks later, I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm still training here. No one said anything to me. Said, What's going on? And at the time, he'd signed, I think he'd signed um, um, Mackay. So was it? Oh, yeah. Um, from, was he from, where was he from? Concert. Concert, that's right. Um, he was a great lad, you know. But, but then I'm thinking, well, what am I doing here? I've been I've had like the longest trial in the world. No one said anything. And then Danny had, had pulled me in. He said, look, he said, um, I'd like you to stay till the end of the season. I said, yeah, I'd like to stay till the end of the season. He said, but um, he said, I've got no money. He said, but I don't, I don't want to offer you what I've got to offer you because it's, it's embarrassing. He said, I don't want to offer you. I said, Danny, I said, I've, I've been training for nearly 12 weeks now with no money. I said, any money, just petrol money or anything. <laughs> to get me registered and that. So I think I ended up getting about 300 quid. I think that was what it was, 300 quid. He said, look, I can't give you that. I said, Danny, just, I'm happy with it. Just as long as it pays for the petrol and whatever. And I've got a little, it doesn't matter. It just means I'm not doing it for nothing. Yeah, okay. So I trained all that time, got myself fit. Not a problem at all. And my first game, it was Darlington, where um, Effian scored that unbelievable goal. Great game. But I'm sitting in the dressing room, and 
Danny gives us all these towels and went, right, put them over your heads. So I've put this towel over my head and he starts playing eight mile, you know, Eminem, eight mile, if you only had one yeah. shot. And you, I'm sitting there listening, I'm thinking, this has got to be a wind up. This, all these lads haven't got towels on. They're just looking at me with my towel on my head. I'm not, <laughs> so I'm, I'm lifting my towel up looking. All the lads have got the towels over their heads. Like, so I'm thinking that was, a, but it wasn't a wind up. It was actually decent, you know, it was, but I couldn't take it for that because I thought it was a Mickey take. Yeah, to be honest, it was it was it was something he'd never ever done before or did again. It was just that one. Yeah, we. I'm thinking, did he do this every game or what? <laughs> so I didn't get on that game, but the next one was Barnet away. Um, I think I come on a sub against maybe maybe Chester or someone like that. Yeah, he played a couple of times. Yeah. Yeah, and then we played Barnet away, and he put me on a sub. And my first, my first bit of action was to stretch for a ball, as in like half a tackle. And I pulled my hamstring, my hamstring went in. Like, and I felt, I played in all reserve games and I'd scored a few goals for the reserves in, in games. And then I'd done my me, me hamstring and then missed the rest of the, the season. Just like literally two weeks after he'd, he'd signed me. Um, and that was a, you know, that was disappointing to say the least. Um but it was, you know, it was it was a great experience. I love being part of the part of the team. Obviously, they got promoted. They had a, a parade, um, which if you see in the pictures, I'm always in the background of them. Stood well away. Um, <laughs> I, I remember we had a good night out as well after after one of them, where I'd I'd ended up walking home from Hartlepool up right up the road to um, to Winyard at the time. <laughs> um, but it was. Yeah, it was a great time. And then to go back as, as assistant with, with Colin Cooper, um, obviously I knew Russ from, from his time there, knew yourself. Um, there was loads of people at the club who I knew and, and going back as assistant was was great, really. Um, I had, really you done, had you done much coaching before then, Higgy? You, yeah, you I was at that? Middlesbrough. I was at the academy at Middlesbrough and I'd been there for about five years, mate. Right. The under, I was doing the under... The under 12, under 13s, and then I was going in sometimes doing the 16s, like uh, as a floating coach a little bit. Um, and it was something I wanted to do. I like the coaching, you know, I, I do like the coaching, and I, I think that's that's probably something that's been instilled since crew. Um, where I've seen the benefit of it, yeah, yeah. the benefit of it. So, that really working with first team players after doing what I did, you know, I'd done every job, I think, up, up until. Up until then, I'd been a scout for Middlesbrough, a coach for Middlesbrough. Then I went to be assistant manager at Pools and um, loved it under Coops. You know, with obviously with Ken there, things were things were really. When you look back now, they were really well run. You know, if you if you look back, Ken he did have his his um, his kinks and and stuff, but you know, you, you sort of you realise why he's doing it. You know, he he was. Yeah. He was great, Ken. I had a lot of time for him. Um, spoke his mind. Didn't, you know, he, like the, the quirky things, like match reports, you know, having to write a match report for him when he was at the game. Um, but then he'd, he'd like mark it like an English teacher. He'd come back saying, good report. Or, and if you never got a good report, I'd always feel disappointed. I'd think, well, what's wrong with that one? What's that good? But it, they're the things that, you, you know, you appreciate now 
that they're not there. You know, like you you would Simo writing a requisition form for a pen. Yeah. You know, you'd think at the time, you'd think <clears> this is stupid. But it's not, you know, when you think about it, he knows where every penny's going and he knows yeah. what's happening at the football club, whereas too many since. Uh, money's been free and easy and it hasn't been transparent and no one knows where it's going or where it's been or what it's doing. So it, in a way, you know, Ken was really organised. There's, there's no doubt about it. And and he didn't put pressure on you. No. You know, the, the two words he used to say, I mean, I remember he said to Coops, um, don't embarrass the club and don't get relegated. <laughs> he said that for years, didn't he? That was yeah, his, that's what he used to say for years. Yeah, he, he was. He, he really was great. And and to be fair to him, you know, he he drove a hard bargain because I, when I left Wills to go to Borough as assistant, um, he got a good deal. You know, a really good deal out of it. And and he used to say to me, you know, Higgy, it's not not personal. Don't take it personal. He said it's just business. Higgy, I just want to take you back to the, the, the very first few days of when you came in as assistant manager, because I, I knew you a little bit from, from as I say, doing a sportsman's dinner for me at the cricket club locally here in Peak Lee. But not a great deal. I mean, I remember you setting the tone. I've probably said this to you before a few times. But you played, I think, in the Masters quite recently before you got appointed in that role. In, in you, you scored an unbelievable goal in the Masters. I'd read about it because I was doing my research ahead of the interview I was going to do with you. And my question was so badly phrased and it couldn't have been to a worse person because you just, I said, oh, um, I've been reading about you playing in the Masters. It looks like you've still got that, that lazy lob on you. <laughs> and you just like started giggling as you would. And I was like, I have made a mistake. <laughs> well, that's not me setting the tone, is it? <laughs> that's you setting the tone. That's true. That's you know, anyone uh, says you've still got that lazy lob. What, what, that's not even a football phrase, Simon. Nah. I know, I know. It sounds like a golf shot, doesn't it? It's a terrible, <laughs> a terrible question. But there's been phrases like that in the article. You say, "Oh, never mind." But no, we had we had some fun times with with yourself and Colin. It was a good atmosphere at the club, and I know there was a, there was a, there was you know there was many times where we had a good laugh, wasn't there? Honestly, there was there was so many times where even in serious situations. People start giggling. <laughs> Sometimes it was for no reason. So when you've got Buster and Marty Brown, yourself, you know, and, and you're all stood in the dressing room when things are happening. So me, you know, if I'm going to laugh or if, if I think something's funny, straight away I look over to you or to Buster or to Marty. And no, normally you're all stood together. So I found me looking at you quite a lot. But you wouldn't look at me back, so you'd be no, looking everywhere else. That was the that was the that was the end of it. If you looked at you, if you seen me, you use one of you three would go. But we were we were playing Cambridge one day, and we were two 0 down, and we were playing awful, and and Coops was fuming, and so we've gone in the dressing room, and he stood up, and I'm sat behind him. You three are over there in his eye line, but I'm not. I'm behind him a little bit, so he's going and he's saying he. He's a da, 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 and he's having a right go, and he's saying, I can, you know, straight away in the first two minutes, the, the sirens are woo, 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 and he's doing this, woo, woo, woo. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, what's he doing? <laughs> so, so I don't laugh. I've looked straight at Hughes with a serious face. So now Hughes are thinking, oh crap, I can't laugh because he, like, you didn't, I don't know whether you thought I was serious or not. 
but I'm looking over and Marty Brown's turned away and <laughs> I can see Buster with his head down and you've turned against the wall and you can just see your head's going. <laughs> <laughs> so he's done this talk and then he's finally gone out and we've had to stay behind because it was, I couldn't, I had to laugh. Do you know what I mean? I couldn't, it was just the way it come from nowhere. He was talking about how bad it, but then just threw in a big siren alarm, but it went like that with his hands as well. And I'm, we, it was like, <laughs> it was one of them moments. He had he had a few when he we had um, we had a meeting before the game. Oh, the team meeting, yeah. And we had this team meeting, and again, them three the three stooges were stood over there, and I'm stood up at the front with Coops, and Coops is saying, you know, about how well we've played in in recent weeks, and he's like, you know, I can feel it, and he starts with that. He starts with I can feel it. Can you feel it? You're coming. I can feel you's coming. And he's doing this with his hands. You must be able to feel yourselves coming because I can. I've seen it over recent weeks. We're coming. We're coming. And I'm like, straight away, I'm looking at them like that. So again are like, so all the lads have gone out. And I've looked at Coops at the end of it and I went, Are you coming, Gaffer? <laughs> And he's like, I know, I said it too many times, didn't I? <laughs> but that was the same game where <laughs> Coops turned round. He was shouting, he was shouting at someone. And then he went, Frank C! Frank C! And this voice behind him went, what gaffer? <laughs> he said, you took me off 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Oh, oh my god! But we did. We had some. We had some unbelievable laughs. But and Coops was really good as well. I really enjoyed working with him. Good coach. Um, it's just a real shame it, it didn't work out for him. But you know, you go down a right list and say it's a shame it didn't work out for him. It's a shame yeah. it didn't work out for him. It's sometimes it's not the people who are in charge. Sometimes it's the way the club is. Is just is. No, people want to change it. I read something you put on Twitter, Mickey, about, you know, clubs shouldn't pick managers based on managers' philosophy and style of play. They should pick it on the club's style of playing philosophy. This is something we tried to do, and Simo will bear witness to this. How many times did did we try and put something like that in place where I'm saying to them, look, let me do whatever I do. We'll bring in, this is how we're going to play. Yeah. doesn't matter what system. But this is how we're going to play. We're going to play attractive football. We're going to play quick football or attacking football or however it is. There's going to be bumps along the way because no managers come in and never done anything smooth and got, you know what I mean? That's, that doesn't happen. You have a bump or two along the way. You've got to ride with it. But the club will be stronger because you'll build up a, a real foundation of this player is going to replace him and this player is going to replace him. But you need time to do that. Yeah. 12 months or six weeks. As soon as you hit a bump, that's it. goes out the window. And it, it did with me. You know, I I tried it a couple of times um, and it just went out the window. As soon as something happens where they get a bit jittery or, the you know, upstairs gets a little bit of a wobble on, they want to change everything. And, oh, we've got to change it. We've got to do this, that. You haven't. You yeah. just stick with your principles. My, my, change my feeling is with it, Iggy, is that, yeah, you can bring in a new manager. He might give the players a lift, a different sort of voice. But they're not going to have to change the tactics. They're not going to have to change six or seven 
players to fit the new manager. Yeah. So if the club has, well, we're going to play 4 3 3, you can play whatever way you want, but this is how the players know that system and know the jobs within that system. And I, I use Swansea as an example. They did it for years where if a manager came in, he had to play that style and that system of football. Because the other, it, thing, the other thing with it is, and, and I often get the argument, but when you find someone who you know is going to fit what you want to do and it's going to be an asset, don't give him a year's contract hmm. with an option. Give him three years. Do you know? Because you know for a fact you're going to either make money on him by selling him or even four years where he, or he might not go where you think he's going to go, but he's still going to be good enough for that league and going to be one of your best players. When you yeah. get players like that, give them a four-year deal and then you're set. You don't have to go every year. Let's get 10 or 12 more players. Yeah. You might have to go out and get, in the end, you'll end up getting two or three to improve it. But it's a slow process. It's not going to happen overnight. It's, it's going to happen bit by bit because you're going to have to weed players out who've been on contracts who you might, might not fancy, who don't suit your style or don't whatever. You get people in slowly. But in the end, after four, three, four seasons, you've got a real nucleus of a proper squad there that you can add two or three players. And all it takes sometimes is a loan or two loan players who are better than the level, who are young, up and coming. I've seen Grealish at Notts County when he was there on loan. He was brilliant. Mm-hmm. But you, you need... That's, that might make the difference between you flying up and you just staying middle of the road. You know, it's not, it's not, I always think it's not rocket science to do, you know, if I get rid of a player, I'll bring another one in who's better than him. And that's what you, your plan is as a manager. It doesn't always work. You know, you might get one or two you've, you've messed up with or you, you haven't, you, they haven't quite took to it for one reason or another, may not have settled, you know, might not want to travel and, and all that stuff. So you get the odd one or two. But in, in general, I would think that the longer you're at a club, the better your team would be. Yeah. Because you're always improving on what you've got. But if you look at if you look at the squad that we had that was successful, a lot of those lads have played 150, 200 games. And I mean, not just one or two, it was five, six or seven of the lads have yeah. been there for a long time. And then you're just pulling in one, two every pre-season to add to that squad, like you say. Yeah. And that's when you get to a, a place like that, it should be really difficult to to regress, if you know what I mean. Obviously, yeah. things happen. You might get one or two things that you, 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 you've got no control over, where you might have two or three who go in a season. They've had a great season. Clubs have come in with big money and, and you know you can't stand in the way. That'll happen. That's when it, it might set you back a little bit. But it sets you back, but you've got money in the bank. Mm. So you have, to have, you have to have a clear plan. What do you want? Do you want promotion? Or do you want to build something that's worth building and it, it'll stand you in good stead in the long run? Yeah. Too many people now want a quick fix. They think if a new manager comes in, he, he should have a new team and he should be up pushing within six months. doesn't happen. I was laughing, uh, taking a piss the other day about the, the guy who does the recruitment at Artipo. I was like, well, he's hit bang lucky that he's recruiting six Scottish players. <laughs> that, do you know what I mean? So what is it like? He must be thinking, well, I've got all these people players and I might be wrong here but then the managers just said no I want him him and him so is yeah. he wasted is he wasted his whole summer listen you're not um, telling me that, and I know Chris and he's a great lad Chris Trotter he's a great lad knows his stuff 
he, yeah. he's got a lot of connections and he's, he's watched a lot of football and knows his players. Um, you're not telling me his first six players that he wanted are in Scotland. No. Of Can't course be. the manager's going to have a say. But that's what I'm saying about it being... If a new manager comes in, he runs it the way he wants. If a new one comes in after him now, he's going to get rid of all them Scottish players and they're going to have to try and do the same again. Exactly. So you a circle where some players you might not be able to get out because they're on longer contracts and they don't want to go. Some players, the, the new manager won't fancy and they'll end up paying him to do nothing where he'll just sit. It's a vicious circle. You, you need a proper structure. And I can't believe there's not many clubs who... Who have there's a, there's a few don't get me wrong but I can't believe that the vast majority of clubs don't do it that way. I remember when when Cooks was here the second time when I was on staff with him and and we were changing systems formations players this that and the other and it was probably who do Rochdale was Rochdale one of his last games similar the second time. Uh, I feel like we were Rochdale anyway. Yeah, so Barry was the last one I know. Barry sorry Barry it was. And uh, he got all of staff into the change room and went, right, everyone pick a team. So he had, like, the physio, the kit, I think Marty was there, and everyone. And he got them all to write a team up on the board. And he was like, right, what are you going to play? Like, and I was like, this can't, <laughs> surely this can't be happening. And he was looking at all the systems, but his head was just so frazzled with everything that was going on. He didn't know what players to pick. He didn't know what system to pick. And he was, I was thinking... If he picks Marty Browns over mine, I'll be filming here. <laughs> <laughs> Saying that Marty only had eight players, it is. <laughs> but that's I the think... other thing, Mick. So you can be in the middle of it as a manager and you need a good assistant. Somebody can say, hang on a minute, just yeah. step, step back a little bit. And, and you know, it's not as bad as you think. And you, why are you changing this? And why are you going away from what we did here? And yeah, Because and you do, you're trying to do everything at the same time to try and change a result when sometimes you just have to stick with what you've got. Yeah, 100%. Make it easier for everyone, but knowing that that's your system and it'll come good. Yeah. I think that's hard though. I've, I've, I've never been a manager or an assistant, obviously, but I've seen it happen to plenty of managers and and, and, and it, it's sort of like, it is that brain fog, isn't it? You make decisions yeah. that I've you would never have made. No, I felt it. it. It happened to me. When did it happen to me? When I think it was near near the end, but there was other bits going on. Obviously, when they, when I was there the first time, and the players weren't getting paid, and, and what have you, and we were going through a bad spell. And but really, if I'd have took a step back, it didn't matter what I did, whether I changed system or whether the the problem was the players weren't getting paid. That was the problem. Yeah. So there's nothing in them situations. And I'm racking my brain thinking, it's me, it's me, I'm doing this and we'll, we'll change it and we'll go this and we'll leave him out and we'll do... It was, it was stupid, you know, because the only thing that needed was the players to get paid when he was how, due to how, get paid. How, how much of a challenge was that? I mean, obviously I was in it to a certain extent alongside you during that, that first stint as manager, but how difficult was it, you know, when things were going on the way they were? And give us a little picture of what it was like. It, 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 <clears throat> it was hard. It, it was really hard. You know, I was getting players in who were, you know, players don't earn a fortune, regardless of what other people might think they earn. There's, and, and to have bills and mortgages to pay and, you know, kids to feed and then petrol if you don't, you know, 
if you're traveling every day, it's, it was a worrying time for some of them. And I had a, a load of them in me, me office regularly, Simo saying, when are we getting paid gaffer? And, you know, I'm late on this or I'm late on that. I didn't even have a couple of wives had phoned and said, is there any chance? And the last thing I wanted to do was lie to any of them and, and say, oh yeah, it'll come tomorrow. And it didn't, you know, I was hearing that. I was, I was hearing it from upstairs. I don't worry. The lads will be paid on this day. And, and then this day had come and it, they didn't get paid. It was that a weird trip, wasn't there, where you had to stand in front of the lads? And I, I had to be honest. You know, I was getting told that there was a flood at the office and um, the computers had gone down. They couldn't pay the wages. And I'm thinking, I can't stand up and say that to the lads. Yeah. You know, how can I say that? And so I did say it, but I said it, you know, this is what I'm getting told. But if I'm you and you've got something better or you can do something, go and do it. Because I ain't going to stand in your way because it was wrong. You know what was happening? I had loads of conversations with Gary and he, listen, I get, I got on, I got on well with Gary. And Gary, he, he had a fallout obviously with his business partner that put massive strain on him. He didn't know where the money was coming from, but instead of just saying, look, I'm in a bit of trouble here, you know, he tried and sugarcoat it and he just wanted to please everyone, I think, at the time, but it made him look bad. Yeah. Just be honest and say, I'm having a really tough time. I'm, I'm trying to get money in. I'm trying to get investors. I, I promise you I'll, I'll pay you, but I don't know when it's coming, And but I promise you it is. Um, But he couldn't. You know, it was a... It was a, a, a excuse after an excuse and it became less and less believable as and like I say I think you know Gary's problem was he wanted to please everyone but to please everyone it meant he had to tell porkies yeah <laughs> you never come out of it well if you if you do that Mick um, and you, you put people can see through them straight away can't they yeah and I, you know I felt for him sometimes because he, he was getting <laughs> hammered and he was but you you know you need to help yourself sometimes um and it was difficult like I say for the players I felt, you know, I felt hard for the players. It was, it was so tough. Um, and then it all come, come to a head. I went, there was a game at Accrington Stanley um, where we, we drew, I think Scott, Scotty Allison scored an equaliser. I think we drew 1-1 or 2-2, Simo, I can't remember what it was. Yeah. Um, but I knew that Dave Jones was in the crowd, sat next to Mark Burroughs. Um, and I knew then the right was on the wall. And it didn't happen after that game. I, don't, I think it probably would have if we'd have got beat. Um, but it didn't. We ended up playing against Grimsby. I think it was the week after. Or two weeks after. I don't know. We actually played well in the game. Got beat 1-0. Um, and I felt we were getting... We were sort of coming out of the the um, the bad patch we were in. Because the lads had... I think the lads had been paid. I think they got paid that week or something like that. Right. Um, because they were, I think they were, were they nearly eight eight weeks or was it six weeks or something like that late? Piggy, can you just explain? Because I've been in a similar situation when uh, Phil Brown was going to be involved. What's it like when you know the person in the crowd who's going to take your job? Do you know what I mean? It doesn't happen if you're a bank manager. You don't get someone two weeks beforehand coming no, to sit I, in a bank and watch I, it. You know, some, people, some people take the ump with it. I don't. You know, I always knew... At some point, you know, you're going to have a tough time. And it's, if people yeah. stick with you, they stick with you if they believe what you're doing. Um, I knew that the right was on the wall, but I also knew that there was probably a, someone coming in to, to help out with the finances. 
and they might want their own man. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've had conversation with Gary afterwards saying it was the worst thing we did. You know, we should have stuck with you for for the rest of the season at least. Um, I don't think we'd have got relegated. In fact, I know we wouldn't have got relegated. Um, but it's just that's just one of the things that happens in football. You know, people come in, and and people who, who are now the money people who join in want their own man, and that's just you know that's what happens. That the proof of the pudding's in the eating, isn't it? And and then I think Paul Watson was already at at the club at that time, and then there was one or two things that happened near the end that I wasn't happy with. You know, signing players without asking me and stuff like that. Um, and it's not the players' fault, you know what I mean? It's um, I was being told mad stuff in the end that I knew was was ridiculous, um, and it was so far removed from being professional that in the end it probably <coughs> done me a favour. And know, then probably, probably then, done me a favour getting out. Yeah, yeah. Then jump jumping forward if we can to then your second stint with the club. You obviously you'd spoken a, a few times about you know in. in over the maybe over the years, but in previous folk rush thing, maybe having an interest, would there be an investment there? And then you obviously came in and, and got that takeover over the line just in the nick of time as well to to, to get things sorted. That was because you know you you helped get that that well, deal through. I, I did I could have sat on my bum, Simo, and done nothing about it and let the club do, but I've got a lot of feelings for the club. I love the club and, and the people within the club are what made it special. And I see yourself and, and Sarah and, and the other Sarah and Natalie and, and all these people, you know, Kate and they were, I had such, a, it was a family. That's what it felt like to me. And I couldn't see, I didn't want to see this family suddenly be left without anything. And, and the football club, you know, the, the football club's a great football club. It, it needs to, someone needs to get hold of it and, and do it properly. Just have a bit of bollocks and do it properly. And so I thought, well, and, and I knew Raj wanted to get involved. I knew the, the supporters were there in the background. I knew Jeff wanted to. So I, I introduced everyone. You know, I was, I was on the phone, spoke to Jeff, Raj, supporters came. I had a meeting at Raj's house. I had a chat about one or two things. Supporters probably wouldn't have come up with, with the money they needed. Um, so Jeff and Raj ended up doing it themselves. It wasn't. It wasn't ideal, and I don't think it was what Raj wanted in the in the first place that way. Um, but he ended up, you know, fair play to him. He put his money where his mouth was and and, and took it over. Um, and I was really pleased that he did. Great for me because I'm thinking director of football. I've got to say now in how this club's run. Yeah. And I can steer this club the way I think it should be run. So this is how we're going to play. This is the structure, and this structure doesn't change. And, and no matter how many managers we have, it's the same. And we build and build and build. And then Matty, Matty Bates, who I had a lot of time for Matty. Um, I didn't totally agree with, with the sacking at the time when it, when it came. Although, you know, Matty, I don't think, helped himself in a, in a meeting that we had. Um, and then we were talking about a new man and we'd gone through loads of possibilities and um, Richard Money had come up and Richard had, had talked and gave a good interview. His, his CV was, was impressive. Um, hadn't been in football for a little bit, which was not a, a, not a concern, but 
it certainly um, needed thinking about. And I thought there was other candidates just as good as well. Um, but it didn't, you know, that, that was who they wanted. You know, they wanted Richard Money, disciplinarian, someone who'd been there and done it on his CV. Um, so Richard ended up coming in and, and really... You know, from, from day one, it was, uh, I think he tried to change everything too quick. He tried to put his stamp on it. He, he'd he upset players really early, um, which, you know, sometimes a manager has to upset players, but you don't upset like six or seven all at the same time. And and it was just a, a really, a real tough time. I mean, I was director of football and I'm, he wanted me on the bench with him, which I... You know, I couldn't fathom out why. You know, why Why should I be on the bench? And really, if I look back, I should have just said, no, Richard, I'm not going to go on the bench. That's not my, that's not where I want to be. I want to be in the stand watching. You know, I've got other things to get on with. Um, But that was me trying to be accommodating. You know, yeah, you want to help, aren't you? Want to, I want to help want him. To yeah, and successful. I want to, yeah, and I, I don't know whether he had me there because he, he either trusted me opinion or he didn't trust me. You know, to be sat in the stand and to be so with what the game and what you see in Alberta, yeah, yeah. But uh, like, who's going to do that? You know, I know the job. I've I've been and <laughs> done the job. I know how hard it is, especially in your first few games. Um, and then it was the, the Harrogate game, I think, away, wasn't it? Where we had a meeting the next day. Um, and this caught me off guard because, like I say, I was director of football at the time, and we sat in a in a restaurant. Me. Um, Richard, Mark Maguire and Raj and before Raj had said anything Richard said listen and I've, you know I think I should be doing what Craig's doing and Craig should be doing what I'm doing he said I've been out a bit a bit long he said I don't think I'm, I'm the right person for it at the time I think he's much better suited to it than I am and I said hang on a minute and, and Raj said well I was thinking that as well so they, do you think they had had a conversation or not? No. No. I just think it come off the cuff, but I think Raj was going to sack him. Right. Without telling me, by the way, I'm director of football. He hadn't had a conversation with me to say anything. But I think he's come out with it to try and save himself a little bit, Richard. Yeah, yeah. And, and Raj has gone for it. And I'd said to him at the time, I don't want to do it. I said, that you know, you've got a hell of a record for sacking people. I said, I'm your mate. I said, but I know, you know, I don't want the job. And I'd been there before and I, I just felt, you know, I wanted it to be fresh and I was happy doing what I was doing. I'd, we'd got the wage bill right down. I thought we were... We yeah, were enjoying that role, Higgy, that director before. Was it Loved sort it. of yeah. something you get your teeth into? And... Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, you know, finding players. Um, the manager would say to me, I need a centre forward or I need this. And you'd go out and, and source him and find him, come back with some options. There you go. That's what we've got in our price bracket. Um, and it was great. You know, I'm doing the deals, mm. doing deals to get rid of players, doing deals to bring players in, selling players. Um, and I love all that. You know, yeah. I like all that. And it was perfect and, for me. And that's what the manager doesn't really want to be doing, is it? No. He doesn't want to be spending time doing deals or talking to agents and, no, and all that side of it. I don't like, I, I don't mind that. You know, I've got loads of contacts all over and I know everyone and it was great. Um, but I didn't want to be, didn't want to be manager. And then I got another phone call. Raj said, well, think about it because there mightn't be a director of football job here next year. 
<laughs> so then I'm thinking, well, I'm, you know, it's got a twist in my arm and saying, well, either take it or you won't be in a job. Yeah. So I went away, thought about it, and he said, look, I'm, I'm your mate. You know, I'm, where are you going to get a chairman who's, who's like me? And I said, fair enough. You know, okay, so I'll, I'll do it. Um, but it, I don't know. It was I got the end of that season, and then I was only 15 games into the start of the new season. I think we were four points off a playoff spot. We just got beat by Stockport. We were in about 12th or 13th, I think, but only four points from a playoff spot. And I always felt we were going to get better and stronger as the season went on because we'd bring one or two more in and we'd get rid of one or two. And, and the team we had was was all right. You know, there's a lot of them who've gone on and and, and signed for bigger clubs now. Um, so I always felt we'd be all right and we'd be... I mean, at the start of that season, don't forget, he'd said we want to finish around 10th. So somewhere along the way, he's changed from wanting to finish around 10th that season and playoffs next season to I want the playoffs now. Sounds familiar, that story. I was starting to think, Israel, you were talking about that, that you've been director of football. And from a, yeah, it was brilliant for the football side, but from an office and an, an, you know, an infrastructure kind of way, it was brilliant to have you someone there. There was a link, you know, yeah. between the football and the office. You were there quite a lot of the time. You brought Bruno, which made it yeah. even better. <laughs> um, but no, there was that, that link, and it just felt like a proper football club again. Do you know, to have that. Well, I that, see my. I see my role as as more a source in people. So that when someone came to me and went, listen, we need a centre forward, I knew who was available and who was where and who had who and what agents they were with and all that stuff. So we had a list of all these different players in different positions. Um, so if someone came to me and said we need a right back, I knew straight away these are the ones that we can get. And they were the ones who were, you know, I'd liked. And then I'd give two or three options to the manager and he'd pick the one he wanted. So it wasn't all me. The manager would get his say and who he wanted in the end. But then as it went on, I think one of the things that was said to me when I left that role was you should have been on the training ground more. Why? Why should a director of football be on the training ground? That's the manager's job or the coach's job. You go deal with all that. You then feed back to me, listen, he's been a bit of a nightmare or he's been... Because we did have issues to deal with. You know, Liam, <laughs> God love him. We had, we had loads of issues with Liam. Great lad, love him to bits. Um, what was it, a Chinese takeaway gift? Yeah, but I wasn't, you know, I wasn't there then. That, that was that was Matty. I was director of football then. Yeah. Um, but I don't listen, that was all part and parcel of, of being a director of football, dealing with all that. I loved it. Yeah. I didn't trust I don't I don't care about the confrontation, that doesn't bother me ever. It's <laughs> as long as they know you're trying to be fair, which I, I was, you know, I, I know how football works, I've been in it all my life. So I wasn't I wasn't sugarcoating anything, but at the same time, I was trying to see it from their point of view as well. Um, so I loved that role. And then to, to go to being manager was... I, I remember Mark McGuire calling me at the office and saying, uh, he, he said, right, this is what's going to happen. Um, they're going to swap jobs. And I like looked at him and I went, you know what? <laughs> and he went, they, yeah, so Craig's going to be manager and Richard's going to be director of football. And then he just looked at me and went, so how do we spin this one? And I went, well, we don't. It's just going to sound, it just sounded ridiculous, to be honest, didn't it? You know? Because it was, I mean, when I came in on as manager, when, when we'd, like, switch, well, saying we switched roles, we had the meeting on Monday morning, Richard turned up to take the coaching. And I'm thinking, we've just had a meeting on Sunday. <laughs> and I'm thinking, 
And now he's come in Monday and Tuesday and Jed's saying to me, what's happening? I said, I don't know. He gave everyone questionnaires to need to fill in. Yeah. So I came in when I took over, like a couple of days later, I've come in and on my board is uh, Wednesday meeting, Tuesday morning meeting, Wednesday. I haven't got time for all these meetings with the director of football. If I need him, I'll let him know I need him. That's his director of football and my director of football. Two totally different ways yeah. of doing it. Yeah. Totally different. You know, I don't want to take up the manager's time. I, if he needs me, then he knows where I am. 100%. You can't, I can't dictate to the manager, listen, you've got to come and see me. We're having this tactical meeting or we're having this yeah. meeting. I've got too much shit to go and, and deal with. And that's without having a family life, you know. Somewhere along the way, you've got to see your kids and stuff. So it was it was difficult. Like, that was difficult. I always felt that that was going to end one way or the other. If he was still there, um, it was going to end. One of, one of us would end up going. As it was, it was it was Richard. I didn't think Richard would stay in that role for, for too long anyway. Um, but then the disappointing thing is, like I say, you know, you get 14, 15 games into a new season, and, and you get the sack with four points off a playoff spot without a reason. There's no. So how does how, how does that conversation go, Nicky? Do you know what I mean? Well, I don't know. Uh, well, <laughs> no. Did he not? So, he didn't so, speak to me. So what it we played? Like I say, we remember the Oval game, Simo. Yeah. Yeah. Oval had gone ten wins in a row or something. Um, they come to come to the Vic. We played really well. I mean, really well. Snuffed them out, winning 1-0. They score in the 90th minute, was it 89th minute, to go 1-1. And then Jay Kennedy pops up with a winner in the 92nd minute or something like that. Then enough last kick of the game. We beat them 2-1. But I'd had a meeting on the Wednesday with Raj and Mark where he was talking to me about the team as if... Um, it was, it was almost as if I'd lost the dressing room type thing. That's what he was saying to me. You know, we, we had a really good dressing room. Um, and that was one of the things I pride myself on. You know, I made it. Yeah. I made the dressing room really good. Yeah. If anyone had a problem, he could come and speak to me and he knew it. And, and in that meeting, I, I offered to resign. So I said to him, said to Raj, listen, if you feel I'm not, I'm not the right person and I've lost the dressing room, I'll just go now. I'll resign now. And we'll we'll say, you know, we've had a meeting. Due to football reasons, we've decided to part ways. I said, I've got no problem. No, no, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. Um, anyway, we. I think the next game was Stockport. I might be wrong, but I think it was. Um, I was, I was, <laughs> I was suspended for that game because I'd, been sent off in a debacle against um, Dover, um, where I'm still down as manager, by the way, on their website. Um, <laughs> I don't know why or how, I don't know. Um, so I was in the stand, sat with him, and we we played awful. We started the game really bad against Stockport. Went two down, second half, we battered them, absolutely battered them. And I, I always think if the game went on another five minutes, we'd have probably got a draw, if not you know, a win because we, we did pummel them. Um, but we got beat 2-1. Uh, and again, like I say, I wasn't in the touchline. And then shook hands, said bye. 
went home on the coach, not an inkling. Um, actually, I, I did have an inkling something might have happened because on the Friday before the Oval game, Mark came to see me and he got upset in, in the college, Mark Maguire. We were talking about the game and I was saying, yeah, you know, we're really fired up. And he went, well, I hope it goes well. And he started getting choked up. And I'm thinking, what are you getting choked up for? I've offered to resign on Wednesday. And he said, no. So anyway, we, we went and beat them. And then Stockport, didn't think nothing of it. Day after, day after it was a day off. And I was travelling up to, I was going to bed car. And I get a phone call off Mark. Um, and I just think it's a catch-up, you know, a daily catch-up. Yeah. And then I was so-and-so, is he? Um, and he just said to me, um, Craig, the manager, uh, the chairman uh, has decided he wants to make a change. And I just said, you're joking, aren't you? He said, no. I said, well, uh, after you've offered to resign? Yeah, why didn't you offer, why didn't you take me resignation the other day? And I said, well, look, we need, we need to talk because we need to, I need to come out of this properly. You know, I'd, uh, this is ridiculous. Mm. I said, I want, um, because I knew if I'd have got sacked then, I wouldn't have got another job in football because I hadn't been in the job for a, a year. I've had two jobs, stayed in them a year near enough, just about. Mm. Um, and that's for a manager, you need to stay in it for two or three seasons. And I said, well, look, why isn't the chairman for me? And he said, well, he, he felt you were a friend and it was too hard. And that didn't wash with me because I always said to Raj, look, be totally honest with me. If if you're thinking so, yeah. just tell me. I'm not going to think anything of it. At least you've been honest with me. If you're going to sack me, and I'd, I'd have this conversation, then bring me down the house and we'll have a chat about it and we'll, we'll end up, we'll still be friends. You know, I, I've got no, you know, if you want to make a change, that's up to you. It's your money and what have you. We can have a talk about it and then we can put something out that benefits both of us. Anyway, I said, well, I need to speak to the chairman and... I said, so don't put nothing out. And Mark said, well, it's, it's, you know, it's going out now. We've done the thing and it's going out now. So that changed me then. Then I'm thinking, right, you know, you're a bit out of order now. That's yeah. um, considering I was supposed to be a friend of yours and a friend of his to treat me like that is shocking. Um, but then after that, nothing surprised me, promised me stuff, didn't get it. I did get paid some, you know, that I think the, the common misconception is I never got paid at anything. I did. I got paid a set amount that I was not due, but you know, the set amount that you're allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't get, I'm, I'm still light. You know, they didn't pay me certain stuff that, that, that I was due. Um, because they always said I had club equipment or club gear. Didn't specify what it was. Um, but that was, the, they said that was the reason they were withholding payment. And after that, I just thought, you know what? I can't be bothered with you. Yeah. You just crack on with whatever you want to do. It's it's not going to make me um, any richer if I, I hold out for it. I don't want to fight you for it. it you're not worth it. You know, it's... So, it, do you think... It, nah, I'm, I've got no I'm idea. Just to, Why I'm would you do that with a friend, Mickey? Put me... I've got no idea to this day. I've never... He phoned me about three days after it to try and explain himself. Um which didn't go down great. You know, I had, I had my say and he had his. Um, totally opposites. You know, I know how football works and I know how it should work. He knows how business works. And, and you can deal with people like that in business. Yeah. You can't deal like people, 
like that in football, it's it, it's totally wrong. You know, there's a set way of doing stuff. Um, so that was disappointing. That was, you know, to say it was disappointing was um, was an especially under- when the when the team's in an okay position. It's not like yeah, bottom it's of the league, league or not. The seasons for- before we were at the bottom trying to fight relegation. We we got rid of a load of money off the wage bill, and then we we'd started building a team. It wasn't a finished article, but it was. Yeah. You know, we were building it. it. It suddenly started. I mean, we beat Barrow at Barrow one nil. We got battered, but we we had a great shape and we had a good belief and a, a resilience about us. We needed a, a proper goal scorer, and <laughs> we tried to get Luke Armstrong, but the the chairman would only pay seven hundred quid for him. But a few months later, he suddenly forks out fifteen hundred quid for him. Um, if we'd have got a grand, if we'd have paid a grand, he'd have got him. We'd have got him, no doubt about it. Um, so there was things like that where, I'd, when you look back, you just think, you know what? I wasn't, I didn't get the support I wanted. You know, it, it was all about cost cutting, which I understood. But there comes a point where I think our budget was about six hundred and fifty grand in the end when I left, from one point two million. So six hundred fifty grand in the national league. Get you what? Get you 12th or 14th. I understand you have to cut costs and and you do. And sometimes you have to have a reset. And I get all that. But you you can only go so far with it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, there is a there's a bottom. And and I think probably 650, if you want to be competitive, is is the bottom. And you you you're looking for not a miracle, but you're looking for some unbelievable recruitment and, and to yeah. get lucky to, to get yourself where you want to be. I knew we wouldn't at 650. If you give me 850, that might have been different. We'd, we'd had some good results, um, but we also had some poor results. And that was just like a, that was the consistency, trying to get the consistency and trying to get people in who you could trust and who you knew could do it and were better than what you had. Mm-hmm. And that was always going to take time when you've got a budget of six fifty. Yeah, you're not going to get everyone right though either, because you? you're going to no, scrimping and you're skimp, yeah. scrimping and see we ended up having to try and try and loan people for nothing. Mm-hmm. But the people you loan them for nothing aren't the people you loan for five hundred quid. You know, yeah, they're not they're not the Luke Armstrong loan that you want. No. It's going to be two or three down the line at their club that you're going to get for nothing, isn't it? It's yeah, it's it's hard work. It is. It's 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 a difficult job, but it's one that listen. It's doable, but it, it's only doable if you've got patience and and an understanding person behind you. Yeah. I mean, it, you know, look at what's gone on since Dave Dave Downer came in and done brilliant. You know, he, the club had a bit of a reset with that because of COVID. No fans in the place. All the teams had furloughed the best players, and I think there was eight teams who would probably kept all their squad together to try and get out of the league that, that year. And fair play to him, he got out. Um, to, to carry it on the next season, you know, I think they started all right. Um, and then obviously he went to, to Stockport. Whether they did continue to do all right, I probably doubt it because of the budget. I mean, I think this year they said they've got a competitive budget. Um, listen, we'll have to wait and see. And Iggy, you don't have to answer this, but I'm interested, I'm sure other people are interested now. What is your do you have a relationship with Raj at all now, or is it sort of no, 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 I've 
since that phone call, I've, I've seen him twice, I think. Um, once at a golf club, that didn't go very well. Um, and once well, after they that, the conversation. The, the conversation. <laughs> and, then, and then once um, after that, where it, you know, I said, I hear, he said, I hear, that was it. Yeah, okay. What I didn't want to do, Simmer, was come on here and like have a pop and say da 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 because it looks sour and it looks bitter, I'm, and I'm not because the club, I love the club. The club yeah, I, I the don't need to call the that. Like that. Doesn't matter what what owner has it. You're not gonna you're not gonna put me off the club. Hmm. No, it doesn't matter what anyone says to me. I've got thick skin. You know, supporters can say whatever they want. Not everyone is gonna agree with you. Not everyone, you know. You, but it doesn't matter. That doesn't matter to me. What matters to me is the club, the football club. And like I say, I could have sat on my bum when it was going bust and done nothing about it. I actually think I've done more than more than a lot of people in in saving it. You know. It, so I'm I'm really proud that we have saved it yeah. and that I was part of saving it. Um, I'm also really proud that I've been there as a player. I've been there as an assistant manager. I've been there as a manager. And, and a director of football. So you don't suddenly hate a club because of that. I just, the only thing I want for Hartlepool is success, yeah. however it comes. And it doesn't matter who the owner is because that owner will go and the club will still be there. The only sad bit is I don't feel like I can go. So unless I was working, you know, yeah. I'd, if I've got a free Saturday, which, you know, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, um, it would be nice to go and, and watch mm. because I do I, feel the club, but I don't feel I can do that. Yeah, I'm the same, Iggy. I've, I haven't been many times, but I got invited this season uh, as a guest, and I went up into the into the chairman's room, and me, and my wife, and my little girl were there, and, and it was just so frosty. There was no sort of he said hello, and that was it. Nothing. And I was like, I was just a bit disappointed because I, I know I've sort of had me see on Mark and the way he was treated and stuff. But I thought, like, just be friendly, just be no welcoming to people. So that, that sort of was my bit as well. You know, when I was director of football and I was in a room, I would go and make conversation with everyone in the room and sort of bring them in. And, yeah. And sort of, I was like a, a goal, like a goal between, between the chairman, introducing the chairman to people who maybe he didn't know. Yeah. Or, you know, and, and like the other directors and stuff. And and that was a bit of match day that I liked. You know, mm-hmm. I liked introducing people. Mark Maguire liked that as well. He, he was quite good at introducing himself to people. And um, But it was, if there's no one like that, the chairman needs someone who's going to push back. The chairman needs someone who's going to say, hang on a minute, don't do this and don't do that. And I don't know whether he's got it at the minute. Well, I think you listen, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. I'm Fantastic. so pleased you give us the time tonight. And it's you know it's been a long one, but thank you very much indeed for sharing your time with me, mate. No, brilliant. Always lovely to see you both. Cheers, Iggy. <laughs> nice to see you, mate. Well, Mickey, just just like he always has been, he's a pleasure to spend time with, isn't he, Higgy? Great, great crack. Yeah, he is. And I think the one thing that shines through for me is that he does love Hartley Blue, he has got that connection to the area. But I, I, I sense a bit of, still a bit of disappointment or regret maybe in his voice when he's talking about how things ended and and sort of the cards he was dealt at the time. You know, I think he was desperate to make that work and 
and, and maybe stepping down from that role that he didn't want to do wasn't the right thing. But um, I just sensed that he was he was still sort of a little bit frustrated about how it ended, and rightly so, I think. Um, but no, he's a, he's a really nice guy, and, and he's very knowledgeable as well about football, about players, and um, I'd like to see him back involved, you know, at some point, whether it's at Hartlepool or some other club, because I think he does have a lot to offer. Um, and Mick, just 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 before we leave, actually, I, I just wanted to say something about the player who is, you know, special to Hartlepool United and Richie Humphreys, and, and and just pass on our, our our thoughts to to him and his family. He lost his father this this weekend. Yeah, it's really sad. I mean, John was a big part of of all our lives at Hartlepool. You know that group of players we had. He, uh, we had some fantastic memories of Richie Stagdo when he was away, and and we all. They used to drink red wine and, and we and we used to have a sing song with them and, and we all raised a glass of red wine for him at the weekend and um it's sad it's 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 been ongoing for a while now for Richie and the family and it, and it is sad um, but he was a fantastic man he, he he's got two brilliant kids who have both been successful and numerous grandkids as well so um yeah really sad time for Richie and his family but uh, I think anyone that knew John anyone that ever met him he he, he would have brightened up your life. He was such a such a lovely man. And, and as I say, it was it was quite upsetting when, when we did get the news, but um we were just trying to rally around Richie and, and Amanda and the rest of the family. Great words, Mick, and, uh, and thanks for, for joining us again tonight. It's been a great episode. I hope everyone's enjoyed it. Um, and we'll try and come back with another one as soon as we as soon as we can. Um, we've got nothing quite in the pipeline as yet, Mick, but we'll keep working on it. See what comes no, I'll going. tell you who I I'll tell you who I did say that uh, Gary Little I think Leeds would be good but if yes. there's any other suggestions and um, anyone that we can get on that you would like to just let us know Brilliant. well thanks for listening and watching everyone we'll see you next time